Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Kristen, and today we are honored to hear from Peggy Vogley as she has a conversation with one of our podcast hosts, McKelty Bloom. In this leadership episode, they will be discussing the concept of perspective in the middle. As each of us are in the middle of the story of our lives, being a leader challenges us to learn from the middle of Bible stories and take on a perspective from that place. In order to have a miracle, we must have a middle. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of E to the Power of Three. I'm McKelty Bloom, and I am here today with Peggy Bagley. Woohoo! Welcome. And I'm really excited today, Peggy, because one of my favorite things about podcasts is it really just feels like a conversation mm-hmm. a lot of the times. And I feel like that's what today is going to be. Yeah. We've already been having so much fun. And I'm like, we should probably just press record through all of this. It's a good thing it wasn't recording. Yeah, it was <laughs> some good conversation. But um, we are so excited to have you here. And thank you for yeah. taking the time to share with us on a topic that is so important. Mm-hmm. And before we get started, would you just introduce yourself a little bit? And we'd love to here to how you got connected with Bridging the Gap. Yeah, so my name is Peggy Bagley. My husband and I started the Waters Church in Sartell. Um, and I guess I started with Bridging the Gap just because of Carol. I'd follow that girl off the ledge and, you know, love her. She's been an advocate of mine and a friend and a wise counsel. So that's how I got involved. Yeah, she's good at that. <laughs> and how long have you guys been pastoring the Waters Church? Uh, 13 years. 13 I started years. in 2007. Wow. All of 2007, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So fun. The Waters Church does so many fun things. I'm always looking from afar, like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> we do have fun. Yes. And you are in charge of the women's ministry there mm-hmm. and do a lot of really great things and events. And that it just it looks like a blast. So everybody listening, if you're in the Sartell area, you'll have to take a look and see how you can get involved with that because there are a lot of good things happening there. But I want to jump right in today because I want us to be able to have so much time to talk about this subject. And we are talking today about the concept of, you know, being in the middle. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? What is the middle? Yeah, the middle is literally just it's not the beginning of something or the end. In fact, the actual definition is being neither at the beginning nor at the end of the series. And so it's basically just everything in between that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at your life, you know, Mm -hmm. there's hard things that we go through. And I think that's a lot of this message that you were talking about in the middle. It's like we go through hard things. And you said something when I was listening to you talk about this that really stuck out to me, that oftentimes when we're hearing somebody's story, it's at the end of their story. Like, look at how God redeemed this, or I was healed, and all this good stuff. But we don't really talk a lot about the middle. And so could you just spend a little time talking about, like, why is it so important to be reflecting on our middle and what that just does for us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in life we live um, kind of in a constant state of highs and lows, but it's really the middle that we camp out in. And it's the middle that you kind of feel all the feelings. You know, you feel um, anger, loneliness, uh, stuck, scared, overwhelmed. And um, as leaders, often we don't really like to feel those feelings, but we all do. And we... uh, try to you know pretend like we have it all together um but it's really when you look at all the leaders in the bible when you look at um all the different heroes of our faith in the bible if you read from the perspective of the middle you know that they all had one thing in common and that was besides god um 
they all had a moment where they were stuck in their middle and God showed up. And so um, I think we just are so scared to be vulnerable because the middle is messy, it's scary, it's icky. Um, and so we hear stories of people's testimonies, of their miracles, how God showed up, and we are conflicted. We're excited for them, and it offers hope, but it's still we wonder when will we get our miracle? When will mm-hmm. we get unstuck from whatever it is in life that we're stuck in? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so it's it's. I think we just are scared to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we try and hide our middle? Because everybody has one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hide my middle because I just had a baby, yeah. but like that's my middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, why do we try and hide it when we know everybody goes through mm-hmm. it? Why is that so tough to be vulnerable and just admit what we're going through? It's just so scary. Like you look at, when I think of uh, leaders in the Bible, I think of King David and I mean, that boy had a Mm. lot of middles, you know, Mm -hmm. and you think of his story um, where he standing outside one day, saw this beautiful woman and um, said, bring her to me. Mm -hmm. They had an affair. She gets pregnant. Talk about a middle. Mm -hmm. And um, he tries to cover it up by bringing her husband home from the battle and doesn't realize that his character will keep her, keep him from, you know, sleeping with her in his warm bed. In fact, he said, why, how could I sleep with my wife and my warmth of my bed while my comrades are sleeping on the you know, cold mm. ground mm-hmm. under the stars. And so he doesn't do what David wants. And so instead of David allowing God to work in his middle, he takes it upon himself and sends him back to battle with a note that says, put him in the front lines and so that he may be struck down. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, here's a man who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. He had an affair, got her pregnant, tried to cover it up, and then murdered this man basically. And if we were to talk to him in the middle of his story, Mm. we wouldn't like him very much, Mm -mm. right? We love stories of marriages redeemed after infidelity. We love the stories of how God just showed up and fixed the broken, but we don't like the middle Mm. very often. It feels uncomfortable. The questions, the doubts, the raw feelings of the middle is uncomfortable for all of us, whether we're listening to the story or um, we're walking through it ourselves. And I just think, you know, King David is such a perfect example of that because even though we wouldn't like him very much in the middle of his story, we're the beneficiaries of a lot of his story because Mm -hmm. we read the Psalms that were written, you know, quite often during or especially after his middle. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, you know, guilt and shame that someone can experience when they are in the middle, when they are experiencing something terrible. Maybe it's a decision that they made. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't that something bad happened to them, but they experienced it like with David's story. And it's it's tough because we put that on us of like, well, then, you know, I'm not worthy enough anymore. I'm not good enough to be in, you know, leading this or leading that. And that's just not true because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And there's so much vulnerability that you have to have to be open. And that's scary. Mm-hmm. And it's scary because you have no idea what someone is going to say. Right. But you talked about vulnerability. And why do you think vulnerability is so important to have as a leader? I mean, just as a person, yeah. but as a leader, why is that crucial? I think people can relate more to you in your mistakes and your the things that you're walking through than they can in your perfection, and I did it all right. I think most of us uh, enjoy listening to other people and enjoy hearing and learning from other people when they know where you've been and they don't judge you because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, but has there been a time where you as a leader 
were vulnerable and even though if it was scary mm-hmm. and did you see some sort of positive out- excuse me positive outcome that came from that yeah i mean this isn't super vulnerable but <clears throat> just recently with the sisterhood leadership retreat when i was sharing on this you know i didn't know how to end i talked about sophie my my then 12 year old and how she had hip pain and all that kind of stuff and i shared exactly what i'm talking about the beginning the middle and the end of the story but it doesn't it left i'm sure the people wondering okay that's great and it it offered hope but how how does that help me right now in the middle of my story and so i kind of ended with the fact that you know um our moms are our first person we see in life mm-hmm. and oftentimes they are our biggest encourager, confidant, our best friend, our biggest cheerleader. Um, and that's how my mom was until the day she wasn't, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I just shared how, uh, and I think it was the summer of 2000, she started showing heart problems mm-hmm. and had open heart surgery in October and then was dead December 25th mm-hmm. or December 15th of that exact same year. And how I was then put in the middle and I'm still stuck in that middle, you know, mm-hmm. to this day, I've not seen one good thing come from her death, not one, not even, mm-hmm you know, a person coming up and saying that they got saved at her funeral, nothing. I haven't seen anything good come from that. And how I've seen, you know, the terrible things, the fact that she's not at events anymore. She's will never come to my church, the church plant that we started. She's never met, you know, her grandkids. And so those are the things from my perspective that I've not seen anything good come from her death yet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how... I was vulnerable in sharing that because it's it's hard to say to people that we may not get our miracle this side of heaven. You know, earth mm-hmm. is really our middle. We're, mm-hmm. It's not our home. Heaven is going to be our home. And are we okay with that? Can we trust God with that? And how, you know, it's kind of like a trust fall. How when um, the power of a trust fall lies in the trust that you have in the person catching you. Mm-hmm. And are we okay with knowing we may not get our miracle? until heaven, our, our um, middle may not look like we're praying for it. Our miracle may not look like we think it'll look, but are we okay with the fact that we might fall for a long time, but God will and can catch us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you kind of wrestle with God with that? Because, you know, I've heard a lot on maybe like faith-based radios and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And people are trying to provide encouragement and say, if you're in the middle, if you're having a hard time, you just haven't seen the miracle yet. You just haven't seen like the positive thing at the end. And I kind of struggle with that because I'm like, well, what if there isn't? Like, what if someone Mm -hmm. in your life tragically passed away and there is no positive piece to that? So like, how do you kind of wrestle with that with God and knowing that God is still good? Yeah. It's been it's been a journey. It's been a process, and it, like I said, I'm still stuck in the middle of it. Um, he's seen the good, the bad, the ugly. He's heard the questions. He's heard the doubts. You know, and and if people if people would have heard me lamenting, you know, at times mm-hmm. they probably would have ran and hid because um, it's uncomfortable and it's 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 just icky. That that middle is just messy. When you are truly yourself, um, it can get really uncomfortable in the middle. Uh, and so there's really no right way, I guess, to answer that, except for for me, it's been really wrestling with the fact that I won't get that miracle, you know, um, until heaven. And, and to understand, am I okay with that? You know, are we okay with the fact that we may not get our miracle mm-hmm. until heaven? Do we trust God with that? Do we trust him in the process? Do we trust him in the middle? 
where he will show up with peace, where he will show up with the next step, where he will show up with joy, you know, and just all of those things. And are we okay with trusting him in the process until we get to heaven, when we will see it all, when we will have complete understanding, where we will get our miracle. You know, our, our story to this day is still being written by the most gifted author. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's happening around, you know. I don't know what good can come from it, but that's from my limited perspective. God is using all things together for good. And so am I okay with that? And it's not the biblical answers. It's not the, the you know, the fun little platitudes that Christians sometimes mm-hmm. give. It's literally wrestling it out with God and that trust fall, trusting him that he will catch me because he's caught me other times, mm-hmm. many other times, you know. And so you just, you learn to trust him and trust the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you would be open to sharing a little bit about that story with your daughter that you shared in the message yeah. because it was so good and whew, I was bawling when I was listening. Sure, I'm month. holding my three-month-old <laughs> yeah. child like crying my eyes out but it was so good and such a great example of what you just talked about. Would yeah. you mind sharing a yeah, little bit? Of course it's you know it's a beginning middle and the end I get to share this because it is such a huge testimony. Um, so a few years ago my then 12-year-old Sophie was uh, experiencing hip pain And it was weird because it would come and go. And, you know, sometimes she'd be fine. Sometimes she would be in pain. It was the end of the summer. And uh, she, you know, would just be walking one day. And then all of a sudden she'd trip and fall. And she gets her grace from her mom. Um, And so (laughs) we just kind of laughed and, you know, thought it was funny um, until it continued to happen. And so I had this great idea that I should bring her to the doctor. And uh, he checked her over and said, you know, looks like it's just growing pains. We don't think it's really anything. Just keep an eye on it. And it continued, the pain continued, it continued to get worse. And so I took her back and they did an MRI this time, but they said, again, it's probably nothing, you know, maybe inflammation or bursitis, whatever that is. <laughs> and um, he did the MRI and he said, you know, we'll have the results within a week. And he said um, to just take her home and, you know, keep an eye on her. Well, I took her home and uh, I was starting to get worried because Sophie, a little backstory on Sophie. So we started the church when she was three and in the fall and she one of the days uh, we were doing tear down and now when you church plant you know you do the setup in a building and then you tear it down and so that's what you're doing and she was just running around with her friends and this big eight foot table somehow fell and kind of broke the top bone on her ankle Mm. and didn't phase her a bit she's got a you know boot cast on and went along with her business and um about the next month october 30th uh we decided to have a fire and she was walking outside with her little boot cast. Now, Sophie is just a happy-go-lucky. She just, you know, marches to her own drum still to this day. Um, and so Doug tells a story that he was watching her as she was walking with her boot cast, kind of looking off over the pond and not really paying attention to where she was going. But he was like, clearly she's going to look and, you know, see where she's walking before she gets close. But she didn't. She tripped and fell straight into the fire. Mm. And when he, he grabbed her right away and brought her to me, and when he brought her to me, I could tell immediately that her hair was sticking straight up. You know, she was, it was bad. She had little burns around her mm-hmm. lips and her nose and her chin and her little hand that had taken the brunt of it. And um, <clears throat> so he brought her to me. We took her to the doctor. She ended up having second-degree burns, you know, on her nose and her little mouth and her um, hand. And... About three o'clock in the morning, the doctor bandaged her up and medicated her up and sent her home with us, saying that she wouldn't be able to eat for at least, you know, two weeks Oof. around her mouth because of the, the solid foods, because yeah. of the, the pain and everything. And she was sitting at the counter as I was getting everything ready in the morning for the morning, and she said, Mommy, I'm hungry. And so 
I was trying to figure out what to make for. You know, what, do I blend something up? <laughs> and um, she, before I could even think, she grabbed a little saltine cracker off the counter, popped it in her mouth, and started chewing. And I was like, then she grabbed another one, grabbed another one. <gasps> and between that and her not even, you know, crying when I would change her bandages, I knew that she had a high pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to that same year, December, <laughs> December 26th. It was the night of Christmas. Uh, we went down to Doug's parents, and the cousins had just flown in from Seattle, so we would let them play. And um, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, I know, but unbeknownst to me, mother of the year, um, <laughs> my son and his cousins were taking Sophie by her hands and her legs and throwing her into a pile of pillows and blankets, and she's loving it until they miss. <laughs> she came walking upstairs holding her little forearm mm-hmm. and said, Mama, my arm hurts, and she took her arm away and I could see immediately it was buckling the, you know, mm-hmm. she'd broken her arm. <clears throat> so we took her back to the, the doctor at three o'clock in the morning, how CPS or, um, you know, social services didn't come and visit us. I have no idea. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but of course, you know, it was broken, but they had to take an x-ray and we were leaving the room and the lady said, you know, okay, Sophie, we're going to take a picture of you. And she just looked right up and put the biggest smile on her face and said, geez. And so I just, she Nothing faced her, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing. And until now, until her hip. And so I knew something had to have been really wrong, but I I didn't know what. And at the end of that week, as we were waiting for her MRI results, she was begging to go to this field trip because she would have FOMO if she didn't go. Mm -hmm. She would want it. She was a social butterfly with her friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, against my better judgment, I decided to let her go. Um, I told her to stay with your teachers and do not run. Well, about an hour into the field trip, we get a phone call that Sophie uh, hurt her hip. She had been running <laughs> through the woods, tripped over a log, and fell on her hip and was crying inconsolably. So mm. as I was talking to the teacher, my husband jumped in the car and started driving toward her. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. Like, do we take her? Is it like everything else? She'll come home. She'll be fine. Um, do I take her to the ER? Is it something different? So should we start over? Do I take her to the doctor? We just didn't know what to do. So I... I called the doctor that we had seen, and of course he wasn't in, so I talked to a different doctor, and he um, looked over her. He said, let me let me go look at her MRI results, and I'll give you a call back. So he looked, and he calls about five minutes later, and he said, she shouldn't even be walking on mm. this leg. And I was like, well, nobody told us that. They thought mm-hmm. it was bursitis. You know? yeah. <laughs> whatever she, that is. Whatever, yeah. I still don't know what that is. Um, and he, I said, not only was she walking, but she was running, and she fell. And he said, well, this is this is bad. And I said, well, should I bring her to you? Should I bring her to the ER? What should I do? And he said, Give, let me do a few calls and I'll call you right back. So at this point, I am stuck, you know, because I don't know. Doug is about five minutes from home. Do I tell him to bring her home to the hospital, to the, the doctor's office? And um, at this point, I just yelled out. I remember just saying, God, where do I take my little girl? And I literally, those words were out of my mouth and I get a phone call. And it's unlisted or unknown. And I don't answer those usually. Yeah. I'm as an introvert, the best time to call me <laughs> is text. I mean, I just do not in- answer those phone calls. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but for some reason, I did. And the voice on the other end said, Is this Sophie's mom? And I said, Yes. And he said, This is uh, Dr. So and so. I am a surgeon from Children's Gillette's Hospital down here in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I need you to bring Sophie to me immediately. And he proceeded to you know, tell me how to get there what parking garage to park in, what floor to park on, what number to call so that when we got there, the nurses could come out and help her get in. And I was just floored. I mean, that's a great story, right? From the, right there, even the beginning, the middle, the end, Sophie was hurt. 
I called out to God, so where do I bring her? And he answers by way of a surgeon, mm-hmm. bring her to me. Um, but this was just the beginning still because we get there and we found out how dire the situation was. The, the doctor that I was talking to on the phone said that when he looked at her MRI results, he would have wanted to see her just by those results. He said, he kind of explained it like your hip joint is like an ice cream cone. And what was happening was like on a hot summer day, the ice cream kind of melts and so it, it slips a little. And he said that was what was happening with Sophie's mm-hmm. hip even before um, the fall. And he said he would have wanted to have done surgery just because of that. Um, but with the fall, it could have caused dire circumstances mm-hmm. is what he said. And it could be an extreme case. And he said in this case, what would have happened is the ice cream wouldn't have only slipped, but it would have fallen onto the ground. And he, she needed to have surgery immediately, but he didn't know what he was dealing with. And mm-hmm. so he needed to do more tests because he didn't want to get into it and see the worst case scenario without being prepared. And he also said that the next morning, there just so happened to be a world-renowned surgeon coming whose focus is this exact surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very rare case, uh, very rare. um, People don't usually have this, but there was just so happened to be another little kid that came in that Mm -hmm. night who had the exact same situation. And so the surgeon was already on his way. And, um, but he didn't want to get into it because he wasn't sure if that was even the case. And so he said, you know, he'd let us know in the morning. So the next morning he walks in with the surgeon that it was and said that it was the worst case scenario. Sophie's had fractured her hip um, and the bone, you know, they didn't know if the capillaries were ruptured. And so they didn't know if there was even blood getting to her bone. Mm. Um, so they needed to do surgery. So they walked her back. They went through this whole spiel about surgery and, you know, said she might even die through it. And I found out later <laughs> that they tell that to every patient mm-hmm. before surgery. but. If you could have seen the look of terror, yeah. you know, in Sophie's eyes, yeah. you'd understand that I was just panicked as a mom. And so we had to walk her back to surgery in her bed, and I was willing myself to just keep it together, to not, you know, let her see me cry. And um, they gave her something to relax her, and then it was time for her to go. I had to take, she had to go out of my hands. I had to leave mm-hmm. my little girl in somebody else's hands, and it was, it was just hard. And I remember, you know, just sitting in that waiting room, just crying out to God and the woulda, shoulda, couldas started coming at me the Mm -hmm. last few months. Should have I pushed the doctors harder? Um, And the doubts and the questions and just the middle, you know, of that, I, I, the doubts of God's goodness. How could he have let this happen? The doubts of the doctors, how could they miss this? Mm -hmm. You know, the doubts of me as a mom, how did I fail her like this? It was just all coming at me. And of course I was sitting in the waiting room isolated from everyone because that's what we do. Right. Consumed with guilt, consumed with fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future for my little girl. They said that this could be the first of many surgeries that she would have to have, um, possibly hip replacements. It was just all coming at me at once. And I just remember sitting there pleading with God, just make her okay, just make her okay. And as I was doing that, just one word, he spoke one word to me, and that was trust. And as soon as I heard that word, not audibly, but I heard him speak it to me, my phone started blowing up with texts mm-hmm. from people, messages that, it, you know, they're starting to, starting to hear what was going on. And the underlining theme the whole time was trust. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading them, I was flooded with the memories of Sophie when she was, you know, just three years old when we started the church and how we felt the opposition of starting that church through the enemy trying to take Sophie out so that he could take us out of the game. And um, I heard God say, I didn't let him take her then and I won't let him take her now. Hmm. And just instant peace. I knew that no matter what came our way, God would, he would take care of her, you know, and, 
and I still didn't know what the outcome of the surgery was going to be. I didn't know how many surgeries we'd have to have after that, but there was just an instant peace that God had this, he had her, and everything was going to be okay. And the surgeon came out and told us that the surgery was a success. Um, and he, as he was talking, he had a little necklace, a little cross necklace that kind of was popping out of mm-hmm. his collar. Now, we're, again, we're in St. Paul, Minnesota. You don't wear those those for a fashion accessory, mm-hmm. you know. And so I just said, as he was speaking, I wanted to, you know, let him know that I credited God with everything. And I just said, I'm a Christian. And I was praying during the surgery. And he looked at me and said, I'm a Christian, too. And he said, and I want you to know, Mom, that before I even laid her out on the table, I prayed over your little girl. Mm-hmm. And immediately I thought... She was taken out of my hands, but she was never taken out of God's. That's and no good. matter what happens in the future, He will have her. Yeah, He will place people in her life that she needs, you know, no matter what what comes her way. And um, he said, you know, the surgery, as he put her down on the, the table after he prayed over her, he said everything just fell back into place. The bowel joint, the, the hip joint, everything. And he said, I didn't have to manipulate, which would have caused even more, you know, disruption and, and all that. He said, I just put the screw in and and sewed her back up and, you know, everything is good. He said, we don't know um, what extent of damage has been done to her bone. We can't tell that. Um, only time and time alone will tell. He said, you know, for at least eight months to 12 months, she would have to be on crutches um, and they didn't know how many more surgeries she would have mm-hmm. to have, but time and time alone would, would really tell us. And so um, she went at, you know, had to go back every other week, I believe at first for, you know, her MRIs and mm-hmm. for, x-rays and all that stuff and at her three-month checkup the doctor was amazed and said she doesn't even need crutches as he looked at her MRI she was supposed to be on for at least eight months yeah so a miracle in the middle right there Mm -hmm. you know and then at her one-year checkup uh, he was looking at her MRI her bone and he said everything looks great Um, she can just go on being a normal kid with no activity restrictions and um, you know it was just it was incredible as we just kind of walked out that miracle but you can't have a miracle without a middle Mm. and that's Mm -hmm. that whole you know that whole year and even a little bit afterwards there was just constantly as we would see God's goodness as we would see God show up there were still those doubts that would creep in and you'd have to go back to who he was before because that's who he always will be you know if he shows up he will show up maybe not in the way that we want him to Mm -hmm. um but he will always show up. Mm-hmm. And he showed up for my little girl big time in her miracle and in her middle and for us. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. It's just such a powerful story of really someone being in the middle mm-hmm. of that and having to turn to God, but also struggling with God at the yeah. same time. Absolutely. I think we do that a lot. We're like, God, we need you in this, but also how could you? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's a really hard balance. And you said something that I would love for you to expand on and talking about how, you know, when you were in that middle, you wanted to isolate and because that's what we do. And we have that tendency to just want to be by ourselves, not turn to anyone. And we've talked about vulnerability in the sense of how our story can help others when we're vulnerable. But why is it important that when we're in those hard moments to not isolate? Like, why do we need to, for ourselves, be open with others and turn to people? And who do we turn to? Yeah, it's, you know, it's so important because we are not meant to walk this journey alone. And God knew that. And that's why he gave us, you know, people. Um, It's important to know, you asked, who do you turn to? I think one of the ways to get through this, the middle of life, the middles of life, because we have a bunch of them, is to surround yourself with the right people, the people who, um, you know, won't try to come in. You, You get to middles 
for a bunch of different reasons. You kind of touched on this. You know, it could be because of what life has done to you. It could be because of what you've done to yourself. It could be what others have done to you. And quite often when we walk into somebody else's middle, we want to preach to them. We want to Mm -hmm. convict them, you know, and make them feel bad, make them feel shame if they brought this upon themselves. Um, And so to surround yourself with people uh, who understand that the conviction uh, is the Holy Spirit's job mm-hmm. and our job is to surround them with godly advice, with wisdom, just sometimes a shut mouth where we can just, you know, they can just speak it out and their doubts, their questions. Um, and so surround ourselves with people who will do that because they're out there. People yeah. um, are out there like that, that will just love you and support you, give you godly wisdom when you need it, but know maybe to be quiet when you don't. Yeah. No, that's good. Absolutely. So when we're feeling like we're in the middle, just kind of some final thoughts here from you. How do we find hope in that? Mm -hmm. How do we find hope knowing that the end is far away? Trust. Mm -hmm. It's just trust. You know, I I think years ago I read a book called The Cure uh, by I think it's Bill Thrall. Um, And in it he talks about he's walking or this person is walking through the woods kind of a symbolic where we're just walking through life and he comes down this path and he comes to a fork in the road and the sign um, has a you know one way uh, is pleasing God and the other way is trusting God and of course he wants to please God we all do and so he chooses that path and as he's walking he sees that it's a very well-worn path and he sees people kind of on both sides of the path that are just camped out he can tell that they're just there Mm -hmm. they've been there for a while Um, it's singles it's couples it's families and they're just there and he doesn't understand why and as he's walking, he comes across this beautiful building. It's, it's just an architect's dream. And, and he knocks on the door, and this woman comes, and she's stunning. Her makeup, by all the world standards, she's stunning. She's got, mm-hmm. you know, on-point makeup. Her, her hair is flowing. <laughs> she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, and, and she says, welcome. How was your journey? And he begins to say, well, it was kind of difficult. You know, I stumbled back there. And she said, shh, and shushes him and hands him a mask. And he, no, again, this was written before COVID, so it's not that kind of a mask. But <laughs> it's like COVID in this book already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> prophecy. Um, and so he she enter he enters the room and he sees a whole room full of people who are wearing wearing masks. And uh, as he's talking, he's wanting support. He's needing support. His his marriage is ending. Um, he's losing his job, and and yet he can't be vulnerable with these people. Um, he needs to be perfect. He needs to strive and pretend like everything is fine. And he eventually just gets exhausted. And so he leaves the building and as he's walking back to the fork in the road, uh, he sees the people again and he realizes that they too were once in that building and they left and just kind of camped out and got comfortable with where they were. And um, he comes back to the fork in the road and decides to give trusting God a try. And as he starts walking, he sees that it's not a well-worn path and it's very treacherous and it's mm. you know cliffs and, and dips and drop-offs and kind of makes his way and um as he gets to this building it's still another building that's gorgeous but it's just kind of raw and organic and natural and he knocks on the door and this woman answers again she's beautiful but it just in a very natural way she doesn't have any makeup on her hair is just natural and she invites him in and says how was your journey and he said you know because he's scared to get Mm -hmm. thrown out again Mm -hmm. and he said it was great you know and it was perfect I didn't have any problems and Mm -hmm. you know Life is great. And she said, opens the door wide, says to the group of the people in the, the building and says, well, we got another one. And he walks in and she says, you don't have to hide here. Hmm. And he starts saying, you know, life has been difficult. I, failing in my marriage, you know, it just explains all this stuff that's going on. 
And as he's about ready to get shunned, he feels like there's a guy in the back, way back, that says, is that all you got? Because this is what's going on in my life. Mm. And begins to be vulnerable. And what the book, the purpose of that book is to say that in life, in this world, sin is everywhere. You know, we struggle with so much. Um, and God knew that. And so he sent Jesus to be mm. the cure-all. He sent Jesus to be the cure for anything that comes our way and how if we could just catch that as people that we don't have to strive, we don't have to pretend. If we could just be vulnerable with each other, we can actually help each other along the way. And, and iron sharpens iron. And, and when you are around the right kind of iron, you know, you can be sharpened. Mm-hmm. And that's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus really is the answer hmm. for everything. And with, if we realize that it's not on us, if we realize that we don't have to strive, we don't have to be anything but a child of God through Jesus, we'll have a much happier life. Yeah. And we'll be surrounded by people who will help us. Mm. Oh, so good. Let's have an altar call after that. Like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. What a beautiful illustration. What book is that mm-hmm. again? It's called The Cure by the Bill Thrall. I think it's True Faced. It's, a, it's just a company out there that, you know, it's, I, I read that book and, and I just decided then and there that even though I'll fail miserably, I just want to live a life where... I'm going to trust God more than pleasing God, mm. you know, and, and I think in Hebrews it talks about without uh, trust, you can't please God. And if we could just, as humans, catch that and just be gentle with each other in their middle, be gentle with people as they're walking through, don't feel like we have to convict, that's the Holy Spirit's job, and just walk alongside them, mm-hmm. be their friend, be their confidant, be their confidant, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, yep. We as Christians sometimes struggle with... Yep confidence and and we feel like we have to share other people's stories and Mm -hmm. it's not ours to share yep yep Mm, so good well thank you so much for sharing all of that do you as we're wrapping up here do you have any other pieces of advice or things that you're like oh i wish i would have said this um that's in the back of your head before we we close today yeah you know i just I, i think of all the bible stories that um like I was sharing a little bit earlier, you know, they all have one thing in common, the heroes, and that is they were at one point stuck in their middle. I mean, you think of Daniel, who was in the lion's den and didn't, you know, we don't know really what he was thinking. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says he was thrown in the lion's den, and then the next day he came out. Mm. God shut the mouths of lions, and the next day he came out unscathed. But he had that middle. Mm -hmm. He had that long night, you know, in the den with those lions, and you just got to wonder, what was he thinking? What was he feeling? Was he, did he just have unwavering faith because he's just a great man of God? Or, you know, was he feeling lonely? Was he feeling abandoned? Was he feeling fear, wondering if those mouths were going to open at one point and just devour him? And, you know, we were, we were had the uh, benefit of going to Israel last year in the fall mm-hmm. of 2019. And we were in a den uh, of lions that they, they said was very, it was a cave-like structure. And it was very similar to what they said uh, the lions would have been in. And as I sat there and the, the rock was kind of shut at the entrance, it got dark really fast, mm. really fast. Mm-hmm. And as I tried to adjust my eyes, I could, you know, the rock, the cave was full of rooms, kind of caverns or whatever you want to call it. And people were everywhere. And you could hear everything. You could hear the, the whispers. They kind of echoed all over. And I just sat there and thought, what was Daniel thinking yeah. as he sat there? And he could hear every movement, every claw, every oh. growl of the lions. And he didn't know. We yeah. get to know the story. We mm-hmm. get to read it from the beginning to the middle to the end. But he didn't know. He didn't know what the outcome would be. And just how, you know, 
if we understood the middle and we read the Bible with the middle in mind, the perspective of the middle in mind, we would we would maybe understand that every story that you read, you know, Moses standing at the edge of the, the Red Sea with the Egyptians on their way and nowhere to go, <laughs> David standing before Goliath with no victory, no hope mm-hmm. of victory, uh, you know, Peter as he stepped out of the boat to walk to Jesus, I believe that they would all tell us in the middle of their story to trust him mm-hmm. and to trust that God's got a plan and he's working it all out for our good. And so I guess that's what I would just say is trust. Trust him that he's got you in the middle he's got a plan in the middle and he's working it all out for good even if we can't see it yeah so good thank you so much for sharing that that's so encouraging and i really hope that everybody listening today can see that reflected in their life Mm -hmm. that can look at maybe they're in the middle right now maybe they are at the beginning and they're like i see a middle coming you know in just some area of their life and hope you can find encouragement and just realizing to trust yeah it's hard. It it's is. messy, it but it's so good. So good. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for joining us for this leadership episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Peggy Vogley and McKelty Bloom in this discussion on perspective in the middle and how we can look at Bible stories to encourage our perspective and live and lead well from the middle of the life story we are in. For to have a miracle, we must have a middle. Make sure to follow us at MNBTG on social media or check out MNBTG.org to stay up to date on more from Bridging the Gap. We look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three.